DeepWatch provides innovative managed security services that empower organizations to be more resilient against today's evolving cyber threats. DeepWatch offers game-changing capabilities in managed detection and response, managed endpoint detection and response, and vulnerability management, all delivered through a unique squad model, a dedicated group of security experts that works directly with each client. From managed security operations to threat hunting to continuous measurement of security readiness, DeepWatch is advancing the service of managed security. Measure your SecOps maturity for free by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash DeepWatch. Most breaches are caused by exploiting oversights and basic cybersecurity fundamentals, but complex hybrid multi-cloud infrastructures make cybersecurity hygiene challenging. Red Seal can help. It shows you what's on your network, how it's connected, and the associated risk across public cloud, private cloud, and physical environments. With Red Seal, you'll get control of your cybersecurity fundamentals so you can protect your organization from the inevitable attack vectors and reduce your cyber risk. For more information, visit securityweekly.com forward slash Red Seal. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Paul Asadorian and Jason Albuquerque. Would you like to have all of your favorite Security Weekly content at your fingertips? Have a question for one of our illustrious hosts, someone from the Security Weekly team, or wish you could hang out with the Security Weekly crew and community? Subscribe on our favorite podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. Sign up for our mailing list and join our Discord server to stay in the loop on all things Security Weekly. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe. In our October 22nd technical training, we will provide a first look at a new free resource that delivers thousands of remedies as a service to bridge the gap between vulnerabilities found and vulnerabilities fixed. On October 28th, learn how to build an integrated security platform in our webcast at 3 p.m. Eastern. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash webcast to see what we have coming up or visit securityweekly.com forward slash on demand for all of our previously recorded webcasts. Param Eftakari is Senior Vice President and Executive Director of the Cybersecurity Collaborative, a membership community that offers cybersecurity executives peer-to-peer -peer collaboration and exclusive CISO created content. He also serves as founder and board chair at the Institute for Critical Infrastructure Technology, a cybersecurity think tank which helps bridge the gap between policymakers and cybersecurity leaders. With over 15 years in the technology industry, Parm is a passionate advocate for national security with an ever-growing catalog of publications, media, and speaking engagements. Parm, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Thank you. It is great to be here. Looking forward to a good conversation today. Yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't I wasn't sure if we were like on a Zoom call meeting or if we were doing a show. I got confused for a minute there. <laughs> I know we were excited when we, uh, it, it was hard to keep tight-lipped, uh, but we're glad that the word is out and just want to first start by saying welcome to the CRA family. We're really thrilled to have you guys be part of the organization. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. It is. And, and one of the interesting areas that I thought was exciting for this show specifically is the aspects of the cybersecurity collaborative and other aspects of the forums where you know you've got this environment already where executives and CISOs are meeting in these peer-to-peer -peer groups and I thought it would be a great way to bring some of that content to this show so I, I'm hoping we do more Parham mm. but let's just let's just start with what is the cybersecurity collaborative give us a little overview and background yeah it's a great question so our mission is very simple. We're here to help make cybersecurity leaders more successful. You know, there's so many organizations out there uh, that are tasked with, you know, increasing collaboration, sharing knowledge, uh, bringing 
uh, different uh, stakeholders in the community, whether it's CISOs or privacy executives and folks up and down the, uh, the, the spectrum together to solve problems. Uh, we feel that you know, we have a different approach to uh, uh, supporting this community. Um, first of all, uh, the knowledge sharing that we facilitate uh, is all done by and for our members. And uh, there are no vendors and no analysts in our membership. Uh, we love the vendor community. There are ways that we are uh, going to be adding into our uh, ecosystem uh, to allow the technology partners that our members rely on to engage with our membership. But at the core of what we do, we create uh, opportunities for cybersecurity leaders. And notice I don't say CISOs, because as you guys know, not every organization has a CISO. And so whatever you are in your cybersecurity organization, if you're leading that team, we create opportunities for you to come together, basically say, hey, you know what? Right now, today, I'm facing this challenge in my organization. Uh, and when you reach out to our member services team, we will try to solve that problem for you. We look at our members portal of CISO-created uh, content. Because uh, a lot of times the problem's been asked by somebody else, and we have actually created content that's been curated from your peers, and so we can share that with you. If it's not there, we'll spin up what's called the CISO Rapid Response, which is basically us getting some of your colleagues on a call or just via an email thread to answer that question for you. And if that doesn't work, and enough members are talking about that same challenge, we do what's called a task force, which is basically a working group of your peers trying to come together and solve that problem. So it's really all about members coming together to solve the challenges that you're facing today. Yeah, I think it's an interesting model where, you know, we see CISOs coming from various parts of the organization or, or security leaders in, in more general. Some come from very technical sides, come, some come from the business side. And so you may run into something you've never experienced before. Here's a great way to, you know, talk to a number of folks that have maybe already been there and done that to really gain knowledge and, and help you make some decisions about how to address some of these emerging problems. I think it's a great concept. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we like to say is we're trying to democratize access to this information uh, a lot of times. And, and I think, frankly, it has to do with uh, the economics. Um, organizations uh, who have this peer-to-peer -peer sharing model, they tend to go after uh, the Fortune 500 or Fortune 200, and that's okay, right? Those folks have a very unique set of challenges. And a lot of times they can only solve them by engaging with one another. We're fortunate to work with those as well. We have an executive committee that has CISOs from MasterCard and Yum's brand and Aflac and Eli Lilly and Rockwell Automation and, and uh, some other uh, really reputable organizations with some of the most um, sought after and respected cybersecurity executives in our community. But what um, we all know as well is that those organizations rely tremendously on their supply chains. Uh, and all the vendors that they work with, um, both the technology vendors and also just folks within their ecosystem. And so what we're trying to do is create opportunities where both those uh, enterprise-level organizations can collaborate and engage and learn from one another. We're also taking that knowledge, extracting it, and creating other forums, uh, whether it's through content in the members portal or other types of collaborative experiences where the mid and even smaller size organizations can actually glean from the knowledge that those more mature cybersecurity programs have and would actually help to um, create more uh, knowledge sharing up and down, you know, the the the, the cybersecurity uh, maturity kind of program lifecycle. And, and that's one of the things that we're really striving towards. And the folks who join us really um, love that about our program and are, and are really bought into both uh, improving their own cybersecurity posture, but also giving back to the community, which is one of our core pillars of value. Yeah, one of the things I noticed, uh, you know, on your website is, is you coined it as a safe 
trusted proving watering hole for executives, right? Cybersecurity executives. And I think that's an important factor, right? Because I'm a big advocate of peer-to-peer networks and, and thought leadership and sharing information. But to know that you have a kind of this safe haven where you can bounce ideas, bounce problems. Because I, I hope more than just water. Just more saying. than, yes, that's what <laughs> yeah, my, me too, me too. But uh, ha- having a place that you can actually go outside of your organization, because sometimes you want to bring your A game to your business. You want to bring your A game to the C-suite, right? So to be able to go out there and have this trusted advisory group that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of that is kind of, you know, has the mentality of what's in these four walls stays in these four walls, I think is an important place to have, right? You, you, you need that out. You need that place to go to that you know is trusted and, and safe, right? From judgment, safe from, um, you know, any type of folks looking at you and, and basically saying, what do you mean you don't know that, right? And, and, and sometimes that can, that can happen in an executive suite, right? When, when you come, when you're in your organization and you're, you're sitting at the, at the table with other executives and you don't have your A game, sometimes you, you can get called out on it, right? So, so being able to have that safe zone, I think is super, super important. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that we offer our members that we have a what's called a morning security report, where mm-hmm. every day, uh, for the past 24 hours, we have a team that curates the top news stories of the day, uh, and our members receive it at 5:30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I've heard uh, countless examples mm-hmm. of our members who are executives say, "Gosh, it's one of the most valuable things you offer because if I'm no one walks on the hall anymore, but when they're walking, you know, down the hall or they're now exchanging emails or Slack messages, when." Um, the president or, or CFO or, or a board member emails them saying, hey, did you hear about this ransomware incident in our industry? Are we prepared to handle that? They've already been gotten that intelligence right. and either they've been able to prepare for that answer, mm-hmm. they've been able to proactively respond and say, this happened in our industry and here's how we are prepared to handle that. Or to your point, they're, uh, they know they have a safe space to reach out to the members they've met through our organization or reach out to us and say, gosh, I just read about this in the mm-hmm. morning security report. Um, I, I actually realize this may be a gap in my security program. How can you help me be more successful? And that's when our yeah. kind of machine turns on and we, and we help them in that safe space. You just, you just uh, very, very articulately uh, identified. Parm, uh, some feedback I've gotten, and I don't want to, I obviously won't name any names, but uh, oftentimes uh, when I've spoken to CISOs, right, they'll bring up, I mean, not all the time, but sometimes they're like, you know, I participate in these CISO forums or some kind of CISO group, however formal or informal that is. And they're like, basically, it turns into like a big bitch fest. Everyone's just sitting around (laughs) complaining and I don't really get a lot out of it. Um, Obviously, your forums are not that. So what what do you do, you know, differently? And what do you make sure it doesn't steer in that direction? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I think, first of all, what we do is we actually um, do a lot of what we call kind of continuous, uh, a continuous feedback loop where we're we're first we're making sure that we engage on the right types of topics. Um, secondly, it's who's guiding the conversations. A lot of times, um, people, people sometimes want forums to just vent mm-hmm. and to your point, kind of bitch and get their, get their frustrations out there. Right. And that's, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's fine. Sometimes I guess you got to vent to somebody, but end of the day, I think what we're known for and the reason people invest their time and their money, uh, in form of membership dues to our organization is because they know that you come to us, uh, to, not just say, here's what my problem is, but then actually identify solutions. Mm-hmm. What happens in our process is we'll get on that first task force call. If it's a, let's say a six week process or eight week process meeting every other week. And we'll say, okay, guys, we're here to talk about account takeover or third party vendor risk management or whatever it may be. 
and we'll say, what is the ex- ex- specific outcome that you want out of this? Because we, we will say, we're not here to have a bitch fest. We want to have a right. specific outcome. So what is it? And then one of the things we, we ask on those calls is, so wh- who can who can offer it? Who has a solution to this? Like, what do you guys have in your organization? And people actually, because we sign NDAs and there is that trust and it, it really goes down to culture. It's easy to, you can put that on a website and say you have that, but unless you've built that culture, right. build that movement and it's kind of hard to, hard, hard, hard to replicate, people actually share with us the policies and programs that they're using within their organization, we take it, we add to it in form of the knowledge that we're, uh, we're extracting on these calls. We, we kind of um, uh, anonymize the policies that are shared with us. And then we, at the end of this process, basically spit out um, a cybersecurity collaborative version of a policy or best practices, recommendations, checklists, whatever that may be. And so I think, I think to your point, um, you know, I've, I've been in the collaboration space for, mm-hmm. gosh, I think almost dozen years now, I'd say, maybe, maybe, maybe just a little bit under. And, uh, that was the one thing that has always kind of grinded my gears is at some point you gotta, you gotta, um, you know, water, get off the pot. And so that's <laughs> the one thing that we're really trying to drive home here. And I, I think we're doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You recognize that early on. Now, now when you, when you sign up for membership, do you sign up as an individual, as an organization? Because I, I only ask because sometimes when, when I'm having discussions with peers, many times I, you know, I'll say, wait a minute. I know that our attorney has dealt with this before. Let, let me bring in my attorney to talk to you and kind of help guide you through it. it, it with this membership, would, I, would we have the opportunity to, to bring our groups together and say, hey, let me, let me bring my CFO in. My CFO has, has dealt with this before and give you some advice. Can you do things like that? Yeah, that's a, great, that's a really good question. So we are, as an, organ, as an organization, you sign up. And what happens is the cybersecurity leader, the CISO or CISO equivalent, becomes kind of the primary point of contact. They identify a couple what we call delegates mm-hmm. to be the kind of number one and two and sometimes three main points of contact. Uh, and then when we have these exchanges, we leave it to them to tell us what's going to best serve their needs. To your point, is it to bring yeah. in my chief risk officer, my privacy person, my mm-hmm. lawyer, all the above. Yeah. Uh, and then and then we obviously give unlimited, you know, number of licenses and things to access content in the members portal and get the morning security report. So it definitely is meant to be uh, or organizational in terms of the, the, the who's paying the dues. Yeah. Uh, and it's that cybersecurity leader that drives who's going to get involved. Uh, at, I, at I think that's awesome because it, having a level of diversity where it's not just security professionals as part of this engagement is huge. Because sometimes you need legal opinion. Sometimes you need privacy opinion. Sometimes you need a financial person to come in saying, yeah, it doesn't really work this I way. I have all those opinions, Jason. I mean, I'm not qualified for many of all them. All right, let, but... let me rephrase. Quali- qualified <laughs> opinions. <laughs> There's but no, that, 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 that's exactly how we've set this up. And, uh, and, and, I, and to that point, you know, we actually focus both on, you, you kind of talked about communication across these, 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 these different silos. Mm. Uh, if you look at our, um, we're, we're revising our website right now. We have three pillars of value. One is strategic and technical insights, kind of to do the blocking and tackling you need to do to be an effective cyber leader. The second is actually professional development for cybersecurity leaders. And so that's kind of those soft skills. Some mm-hmm. people don't even know how to go and talk to their lawyer and talk to the heads of business and say, you guys are the reason I have a bunch. We talked about this on a, on a call with, with, with Paul Matt the other day. You know, how do you, how do you um, talk to your business counterparts, say, I have a bunch of, I have a shadow IT problem and it's your mm-hmm. fault. <laughs> they don't even know how to <laughs> open up that dialogue. Right. Right. And so we're trying to teach them these soft skills and how to go outside of their yeah. IT bubble or their security bubble. And so that's part of our, our value prop as well as both the that's cyber awesome. skills and some of those soft skills and 
and, and, and leadership skills that you need to, uh, I think, be really yeah, successful. Yeah, very important. In this but, but that's important to get value out of because we do that on the show all the time. And that's the reason I joke is that oftentimes I'm like, well, I think this is the answer, but I'm certainly not a lawyer and don't take my legal <laughs> right. advice because you're probably getting a lot of trouble if you did, right? <laughs> and the same thing for other very specific areas that the conversation leads it to. It's important to be able to, just like we do in the shows, bring yes. people in uh, who have extensive backgrounds and are qualified to speak mm-hmm. on those various points. Parm, what are some of the hot topics right now? Obviously, we're in this really interesting environment of uh, remote work and the pandemic. What are some of those big topics that the executives are talking about right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the the you know again, I talked about the the different communities that we work with. I would say that the for some of the, the mid sized organizations, they're still struggling with migrating some of their legacy applications to the cloud and that still seems to be an issue as well as just dealing with the bigger guys seem to have gotten a handle i don't want to say that they've um they've 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 solved this whole um mass migration of 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 their workforce to the cloud but they seem to have gotten a handle of it a little bit faster i think the mid small size organizations are still struggling a little bit with this and so uh talking about the process we went through we addressed and, and got a lot of knowledge from those bigger organizations. Now we're sharing that with the mid and small size members that we have. Um, uh, asset management, I kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier, is a very big topic right now that we're focused a lot on. Um, vulnerability management is, a, a, is another big area. And I think overall, there is a, 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 a no matter what topic we're, we're focused on, there's a clear acknowledgement that this uh, paradigm shift and how organizations uh, and you can see my dog walking in the corner there. <laughs> uh, this um, you can this this uh, clear shift in how we have absolutely fundamentally changed the the workforce landscape. Every organization realizes that the majority of their employees for the foreseeable future are going to be working outside of um, the office. And a lot of organizations weren't set up that way. Their security policies, the way that they train their employees, um, their their network configurations, nothing was set up to. Uh, uh, accommodate and, and account for this type of a um, work environment. And it's really taking a step back and saying, I need to do a complete reassessment of how this new, uh, this new, um, you know, uh, this new way of life is going to be impacting risk to my organization. And so we're kind of taking all the pieces of a security program step by step and reevaluating based on how we feel the future is going to be. So this work from home, I think it was, it happened so fast. If you look at all the topics and and we did it too. So I'm not saying we, we were somehow, you know, clairvoyant, but if you look at all the topics at events and things like that, it was all, um, you know, it was all focused on kind of the, the, the work from home. I think we're seeing an evolution of that. And now we're going to, I think in the future, talk about um, continuity of operations and a different form of resiliency, given uh, this new paradigm shift that, that we've seen. How has it changed collaboration? Because you probably can't do much physical collaboration. Is everything virtual now? Is Have you figured out how to effectively collaborate with all of your members in this kind of remote kind of virtual world? Yeah, that's um, we have uh, because our membership and this is a unique aspect uh, that 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 a lot of folks actually enjoy from our organization. A lot of the the groups that are out there are very regional. And so pre-pandemic, folks would physically get together and, and do this collaboration in person. Because we were all, always a national organization, uh, we actually historically had done a lot of our collaboration virtually. And so really wasn't that big of a shift for us to uh, um, accommodate to the telework, you know, Zoom-type mm-hmm. conferencing. Uh, we always had a process to um, get everyone on calls. We would, you know, have a, 
have the um, the quilt, the quilted, uh, you know, effect, so to speak, where everyone dials in, um, you know, contributes and collaborates. That way we have a process to capture the notes, capture the information, constantly share back the the content kind of in an evolving manner so people see how these documents are progressing. So I'll be honest, I think given the the national makeup of our community, uh, we were actually well positioned to withstand that aspect of the uh, of the uh, uh, pandemic's impact. Do the executives miss the physical um, collaboration? I'm just curious what their thoughts are because, you know, a lot of us used to go to events and, and meet with our peers. Do they miss that aspect of the physical collaboration or is the virtual enough for them right now? You know, I, I, I think I think what I'm what I'm sensing, you know, being a very social guy who loves to, you know, network a, a afterwards and have cocktails. And I think that's where you really have a have a different uh, a very much needed and important layer of building trust. We all know that this industry is um, more than others is about trust. Um, so I think you have to have that in-person collaboration to build that uh, a certain layer of trust. Um, I think on one hand, absolutely, we miss it. It's important. Uh, and uh, and especially if you want to really get into some, some uh, um, you know, detailed type of sharing. Um, I think on the other hand, what I've heard particularly from very senior executives is the lack of travel. Uh, has freed up a, a significant amount of time where they're actually able to contribute more to these types of efforts because they're able to speak on more panels and participate in more of these roundtables because they're just doing it from their uh, their office like we all are and doing it from home. And so they've actually been able to uh, find more time to, to participate and contribute uh, than before. Um, so I think it's uh, there's a pros and cons to this new uh, this new environment. And I think you know I, I predict when we, when we are able to go back to full-fledged conferences. You know, we're excited uh, that you guys announced your uh, conference uh, uh, in fall of next year. Obviously, CRA, you know, has InfoSec World and, and all the great CRA learning events that, 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 that we do. Um, the Cybersecurity Collaborative, right, we will be having our own in-person events for our members as well, just maybe one or two a year. So I think it's an important component of it, but I think we'll find probably much more balance as we go mm -hmm. forward, I think, indefinitely. I think this has absolutely changed how we collaborate um, as a global society. So, so from a membership perspective, I mean, one of the first things I, you know, I look at when becoming a member is, is what am I entitled to, right? So, what, what, what content are you delivering? What, what types of um, entitlements do we get as a member? Yeah, so we have uh, three different membership tiers for basically small, medium, large companies, mm -hmm. right? To, to keep it simple, um, uh, on the small uh, for small businesses. Or frankly, for the folks who don't have, um, you know, big budget and our, our small, our small business, the list price is seventy five hundred dollars a year. And, and we, we have scholarships uh, and, and um, um, uh, to subsidize some of that cost for organizations that may not have uh, money. Right. At the end of the day, one of the reasons we do this is because we believe deeply in the role that the private sector plays mm. uh, in national security. And that's a whole different conversation. I was talking to the former uh, uh, general counsel of the NSA this morning about this, the complete shift and, and how we need to defend our, our, our national security and the role that the private sector plays on this. And we're trying to do our part by not just creating these, these opportunities to commoditize the information, but also making it available from an economic perspective. So we have a small, small business um, level, which gives you all the access to the content in the members portal, which is, um, uh, we have, you know, I can, you know, anyone's interested and give you countless examples of, of CISOs have said this document has saved $25,000, has saved $50,000 of consulting fees. I mean, these are actual tools and policies. Um, we have a CISO handbook that consists of, um, you know, about 400 pages of different policies, implementable policies for you to build 
or uh, fill gaps within your you know CISO program. And so um, you know that that level is more uh, the content in the members portal and your security report and access to different um, uh, briefings that we do that are more um, uh, for our members um, for mid and large size organizations. That's when the actual collaboration uh, uh, comes into play. So these are when you have the ability to. Um, call a CISO rapid response and you say, you know, an example recently was somebody was presenting to a board and uh, it was a presentation that came up on, on last minute. They wanted to validate whether the slides that they were using and the way they were presenting a bunch of really data rich information was the way that their peers were presenting it. So we spun up a CISO rapid response. We had around I think four members get on a call, share with this particular member their slides. They revamped their whole presentation and we did all this within a couple of days. Oh, we have a awesome. ton of those examples. Yeah, it's really, really powerful. And then, of course, the task force is being involved in that mm-hmm. collaborative process. So really, it's the, the the task forces, the rapid responses, the morning security reports, the content in the members portal and uh, the, um, uh, the 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 different types of briefings and things that we do for our members. And and we, we have a, kind, of, kind of a different price scales for uh, small, medium and large type members. Awesome. Awesome. So Parm, if people want to sign up or learn more, or wh- where should they go? Yeah, a few places. You can go to uh, um, our website is cyberleadersunite.com. Uh, we are very active on uh, LinkedIn as well. A lot of great content there. Um, it's, so look us up on, on LinkedIn at the uh, Cybersecurity Collaborative, uh, which is on LinkedIn. Uh, Cyber Leaders Unite on Twitter as well. Um, and uh, best best place is probably our website, uh, cyberleadersunite.com. And we'd love for you guys to check us out and have a conversation about being involved. That's awesome. Parham, thank you so much for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Look forward to uh, chatting more with you guys about uh, all the great things we're doing together. We look forward to it as well. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. We'll see you next week on Business Security Weekly.